Am I crazy? <laughs> but anyway, very weird experience. You don't need to use like masks in the public transport. No, it's not. No, it's not. I, in public transport, maybe yes, they changed that recently. Um, yeah. Up until I think last week, I haven't been following the Dutch news so much. I was in the beginning, and then I just started reading online news because of the feeling of this kind of mind control <laughs> from the Dutch news that I didn't want to have. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, I think in public transport now it's uh, it's illegal not to wear a mask. And everywhere else, I mean, I see about 2% of all people I see outdoors not uh, wearing masks, so... Not wearing, not wearing masks? No, 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 wearing, sorry, that was, I misspoke, but um, about 98% of everyone I see is just taking it easy, and people don't even keep a distance that, you know, that mindfully, they're just, in the supermarket in the beginning, it was quite grotesque, like, now they're starting to take care, and there's all these regulations, like plexiglass at the cash register, so the people who are uh, working at the cashiers don't get uh, don't get you know all these particles flowing in their faces, but um, when when people started hoarding in the beginning, I remember we were talking about it with Martina. It was like people were jumping over the the supermarket workers and just like elbowing their way through the supermarket in a, in the most disgusting way I've ever seen. And now that's calmed down, but in general, yeah. The, the, I think the panic moment has passed and people are just, yeah, luxuriously bored in the Netherlands. It's really, uh, it's really strange. Taking yeah. it like a kind of long holiday situation. Ah, yeah, what I was going to say about the supermarkets here, there is an amazing class uh, differentiation between, you know, when you go to bio shops, uh, it's very, you know, the atmosphere is quite relaxed. They give you perhaps gloves or there's, you know, there's disinfectant. And when you go to Edeka or the other, you know, much uh, cheaper places, there's super tense atmospheres. The other day I saw a fight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge um, class difference that you can see in this specific moments in the supermarkets you know in the very cheap ones very long queues and in the bio you know no almost no queues no anything <laughs> it's the fucking same here yeah <laughs> well that's usually like that no? but yeah that's not that's the same as it's always been no like uh, or did i miss the first the first half of the conversation but, uh, about the, the bio supermarket no no, yeah. I think you got it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you? How's it going? The atmosphere is not... Uh, yeah, 
people are in the street, in the canal, you know, enjoying, you know, in the streets, there are not so many people with masks. There are, depends on the area, but, uh, but yeah. And then when you go to shops, that's when you see people with masks. And But yeah. apart from that atmosphere, so far here, apart in the supermarkets, it's quite relaxed. I mean, yeah, I mean, I have no, I mean, no knowledge of epidemiology, but don't you think that if uh, like measures like standardized use of masks, like in Asia by everyone could reduce this like massively, like by pure intuition, it's like that obviously if you go in the tube in London or any kind of, yeah, close the space with a lot of people, maybe unless everyone is using them properly, not touching their faces, and then then you are fucked again. But still, I mean, I think the spread should be stopped by a huge. I mean, amount, huh? I'm not. Uh, I'm no expert to make predictions, but because of course, like I think that there's a. Um, the 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 state uh, nation scale reactions and in the individual reactions are not very aligned, so to say. I see very much this divide. So in a way, like as an individual, we're as individuals we're sort of uh, brought to the condition of like making choices, right? And either we're overreacting or we're underreacting. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I changed entirely my schedule also in order to be out a little bit. So I'm trying to wake up very early so then I can be out when nobody's around, you know, like, and then go back home and uh, <clears throat> self-isolate. But regarding the masks, I think that that is also like a sort of... Uh, understanding of coexistence through respect because unless we get to the point in which we get, we get like mass testing and we're sure of what we're uh, bringing into the public space then I think that is just an act of respect apart from self-protection of course uh, and I think, you know, like even here in the Netherlands, there has been a lot of discussion that I also follow on Twitter, some journalists and so on and so forth. Um, there was a study uh, that was uh, released, I think, some 10 years ago, in which scientists were actually advocating the use of masks, even self-made with cotton, you know, uh, because that would help containing the spread of diseases. Well, now the narrative was totally the opposite in the sense that they were like, no, you don't need a mask. This is why people are also so relaxed. So there's this sort of monotheistic uh, uh, drive in like following the government. There's this like sort of uh, confidence in following the government's rules just because the, the government's just like, yeah, you're all intelligent people. You can deal with this, right? Uh, so, but then, but then on the other hand, uh, and this is the thing that worries me, is like this sort of hidden narrative uh, of 
the herd immunity, which is happening, you know, like in the uh, UK in a more uh, open, openly spoken way. In the Netherlands, I think it's like sort of hidden. So they're trying to see, which is also like very eugenic eventually, right? Because, yeah, of course... Uh, and this is also the thing that scares me because there's a lot of categories that are uh, not priority in being saved, you know, like, and these are people that have already underlying conditions or people that need uh, contact care, people that can't dress themselves or, you know, like the need to, they need help to be washed and so on and so forth. Like, I'm worried that, you know, like it's also like a sort of plan to wipe out uh, all of this. Yeah, it's uh, the law of might makes right. Is 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 super scary. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think you know like that. There's this contradictory uh, narrative regarding the masks. I'm I'm the kind of person you know like first week that I was home, I started making them, and I gave them also to my friends. Because I thought, well, you know, like, maybe, maybe this can help. And I could see, like, also in the first weeks, as Sonia was describing before, in the supermarkets, like, the, the essential workers, right? That's how they're called, the heroes. They were freaking out. They were so scared. I could see terror in their faces just because... People were so, you know, like not paying attention to how they were moving, how, how they were touching things. I'm, I'm still going, I mean, and already at the beginning, I was going to the supermarket with gloves, mask, everything, you know, but the people were just like, also somehow looking at me like this weird person who is overreacting. I got also laughters, you know, like, there's this sort of uh, um, attitude of dismissing the care and the respect that people want to display, which is also like a sort of, I've, I was thinking about it, and I think it's also like this sort of protective uh, and defensive reaction of a person that is just like, oh shit, I really don't want to come to terms with the fact that I don't have uh, the will of actually displaying just that tiny bit of respect, you know? So you of course... That, don't you think that it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, that you are very sensitive and you know how dangerous this virus is because uh, you are, you're Italian and you have been following what has really happened because it really seems that there is a huge discrepancy on how people perceive if they don't know, you know, if they don't get the news even if they get the news, it's not the same. If you know, you know, foreign cases, uh, you know, you, you hear the horrors, you know, and I think uh, in North of Europe, their perception is very, very different. Yeah. But I think it's also like a, 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 um, the way that healthcare systems reacted. Because uh, in Italy, I think it's like, uh, exactly the opposite in the Netherlands, for example. Uh, in Italy, there's this Catholic uh, instinct of saving the life because a life is a soul, you know? 
uh, doesn't matter if you're 25 or 100 years old, uh, we're gonna save you, we're gonna do everything we can to save you. So this is also why, you know, like hospitals were overloaded. I don't see that here. Uh, because, you know, like, yes, just stay home, take care of yourself. If you're really dying, that we're gonna consider if you need to be taken care of. And, you know, like, that's, how, that's also how you keep the numbers low. So official numbers are also not very reliable. And even in Italy, there's a lot of, uh, like, the statistics are not reliable just because there's a lot of cases that are just submerged. I've heard from a friend, uh, he and his parents were all got the virus. They all survived. Uh, and he lives in Rome. He really had to push to get tested. So he was positive at first and then he was negative. So he went uh, through all of it. But then when he wanted to check, like, okay, I'm living with other people. I need to know if I can leave my room, <laughs> you know? And uh, he really had to push for that and eventually they did it. Uh, but again, uh, not everybody has the willpower and the, um, uh, how do say, the patience to actually demand, right? So, it's interesting because in the Netherlands, for the amount of population you have, you have the numbers quite... are huge. Yeah, that's, yes. what been, yeah. that's what I've been talking about with people. So like, it's it's ridiculous how out of hand it is. And also, they don't publish the recoveries, which is kind of strange. I wonder if it's you know something like well, there's not that many in comparison. So I I experienced the Dutch medical system to be like yeah like pretty pretty meager at best it's uh basically like anything you have have a paracetamol all that doesn't work have an ibuprofen and uh take some omeprazole for like the side effects of ibuprofen over the long term i had i was sick myself and i called uh my my doctor and she basically said like well yeah it sounds like you have it and uh my fever was rising and I had fever for like six days in the end. And then she was like, well, when you can't breathe, like you really can't breathe, call 911 or the equivalent. And here you can also call 911. I was like, well, if I can't breathe, that's kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to call you. And yeah, the other people I spoke to who were sick here had exactly the same experience. Someone got, uh, the person who actually most likely infected me, a person who sits in the same office as me and we were, sharing food like a few weeks prior um she said like she couldn't breathe she went to the er and they said like well you you it looks like you can still breathe like when you really can't breathe come back <laughs> like what the fuck i mean it's yeah it was of course in the very beginning of the peak when uh, you know there was a lot a lot more uncertainty and, and people were freaking out a lot more because you just don't know how deadly it really is, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, in that moment, I don't know. It's uh it's kind of strange. And it's funny that the reaction is is quite a standard one from the from the Dutch medical system. A friend of mine who is a medical doctor told me like they actually learn 
this sort of this encouraged this encouragement uh, uh, rhetoric and this encouragement uh, what's the word in English uh, approach to talk to patients like you know to kind of get rid of the psychosomatic and and, and the super uh, yeah like people who who just want actually a pat on the shoulder more than a paracetamol um, but it, yeah it's really strange I don't really know how to assess this kind of strange regarding your jobs or your uh, well the way in which you have an income what's the situation in the Netherlands for a lot of people who are um, independent uh, ah monotributistas or accepted payers <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, as freelancers Jesus the simplest word you forget um, it's pretty tough, but there there was some measures uh, that a few weeks ago got implemented for like you know you can just apply uh, describing your situation and then they will give you an income for for a short period of time and then uh, as well as to some to people who are undocumented in a specific situation which I thought was pretty good because I was worried I spoke to a few friends of mine who are undocumented and then I understood from them that it was pretty uh like the, the the whole process is pretty legit for them as well so that's really good for people working in government positions which here kind of that that actually extends all the way to universities and like institutions like funding agencies and stuff um you still get paid uh, you're still on payroll no problem and uh yeah i think that's why everyone is kind of yeah luxuriously bored there is no, the kind of real backlash is not anywhere near here yet. And I wonder if like a lot of the policies that they're implementing with like the intelligent lockdown and this kind of stuff has anything to do with sort of coming out first later on, you know, and kind of on the global scale of competition, which is, it would be a pretty Dutch thing to do. So. Well, I think that's the thing that the UK tried first. Yeah. When they were advocating for the herd immunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that in Sweden they're actually managing. I mean, it's a much yeah. lower scale and it's, it's problematic. I mean, the numbers compared to the other places in, um, in, in, in Scandinavia are much higher. So 3,000, for example, and then uh, Norway and Denmark, they have like 300 and 500. But now they're saying that, oh, they're better prepare for the next wave so with the in autumn that's uh, so the world health organization is even praising them which is kind of crazy yeah uh, i mean uh, jokingly but seriously as well which is everything any should anything should ever be uh i mean sweden and norway i've been to those places like the social contact there is radically different from that. <laughs> <laughs> contact to me so it's like it was to be expected no it's uh, it's it's frigid and chilly and yeah <laughs> oh no i mean that's coming from a from a perspective of uh, oh, but, but you but even here in the uk it's like okay yeah social distance you are doing very well yeah because yeah. you were already like doing that it's interesting 
because you know that Norway, they are one of the biggest, they have one of the biggest in, investor funds that apparently are going to be crucial hmm. for this economical crisis that we are going to face now, as well as China. Uh, yeah. Like sovereign wealth funds that uh, they have more money than the, the actual, what's the name of Bruto uh, Interior Bruto? In, GDP. Yeah. GDP. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bleak because if they do right, they they can be like a a, a massive player in terms of buying debt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But are they is are they connected to the state or the, because for example Norway because of the oil crisis the current the Norwegian uh, Norwegian Kroner is really going down by, I don't know, 30 or 40 percent. My partner is working there, so her salary is just like, whoop. Uh, yeah, so Norway is, is it's, it's, quite a lot. It's owned by the state, as far as I know. That's what, that's yeah. interesting because I yeah. mean, it has been, you know, because of the oil crisis, it must have been losing so much money. Yeah, but yeah, actually, I just checked now. Uh, yeah, it's China. Arab Emirates and Norway. Okay, and what, what, so what what are these? How does it work? Or what are these doing? It's like accumulated funds, like banks or something like that, but uh, that are super massive. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's it's like I don't know how to explain this, but it's like imagine you have different assets collected you have a reserve reserve fund and they organize this but yeah uh, it's super weird because they have few few cases no i, I didn't check recently uh, norway Norway yeah. have exactly 218 deaths it's not it's no, nothing and, yeah. and cases 8000 yeah no it's very at the beginning they were you know uh, proportionally they had many cases but then they seem to have done a very good work so yeah and so, I'm, I'm curious um yeah so how do you think this crisis will change your practices your interests your lines of work i mean to what extent is it making you reconsider many of the things that you think about? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that that's a very, very interesting question. I mean, uh, I don't know, one of the, um, I think the episode uh, of social discipline that you did uh, with uh, Fielding Hope um, and talking about the underground, I was I was thinking of you, Martin, and uh, licking people's ears. <laughs> I thought, well, you you know, like one day, or at least even now, that sounds so radical, right? <laughs> uh, more radical. More, even more radical. Uh, that's I'll not a lie. I'll tell you another story, which is another concept that it was a bit more. Uh, hardcore. Uh, it was playing with drunk driver. 
this kind of hardcore noise band and the, the you know I, I don't know the whole atmosphere it was in an underground venue in queens new you know new year's the day after new year's eve or something and basically uh i don't know there, there was something in the atmosphere the atmosphere what it felt evil from the very beginning there was something <laughs> already evil going on so i you know, as we started playing, they started playing with drums, you know, super loud. And then I suddenly get hit by something <laughs> and I started bleeding. And there was no stage or anything. So basically when people were coming, I was like smearing my blood into people, you know, just in the t-shirts or something like that. And uh, I don't know, it was just like this kind of <laughs> punk, you know, like kind of, uh, and then uh, later on, I realized that actually it was the microphone, rock and roll style um. microphone. And then he just, you know, so it was no bottle or anything, I think. But basically, <laughs> a couple of people afterwards, they came to ask me if I had AIDS. Makes sense. Of, uh, <laughs> it makes very much sense. And then it's like, oh, wow, what an idiot I was. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, I don't have AIDS, so... Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Good info for the pod. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, one has to be careful, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, we also. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it was a small comment. Like we also shouldn't forget that we we are like a big blob, completely feeding into each other's sort of bio clouds all the time so it's not it's not of course the current situation should make us realize how vulnerable certain systems are and how yeah you know easily like the, the, the fragile balance is, is kind of tilted but it's also like yeah i mean i don't know we it's pretty incestuous all day long every day yeah. that's how we kind of also build immunity to all sorts of things and resilience to all sorts of things. so it's yeah, yeah exactly I mean, um, but regarding practices, I think that that's a very good question because uh, I'm a little bit conflicted, to be honest. Because on the one hand, uh, I think as soon as the lockdown started, I did one uh, noiser session online. Uh, but then I thought, I'm, you know, like it's sort of even... I, I liked it, but I thought it, it was also define the point of noiser itself i think i will go on uh with noiser in collaboration with warm online because of course it's like a bigger platform and so on and so forth but noiser uh here in amsterdam i think that at the moment it doesn't even make sense to make it online you know because like, it's also like a very very um localized uh practice uh and i also realized how tired I was so in a way you know like um, I think that in our like uh, very brief uh, exchange um, and the few notes that we exchanged beforehand uh, um, some of some of us were writing down you know like this constant uh, busyness running around uh, and for me it's also a matter of temporality so on the one hand I was a little bit shocked of having so much time all of a sudden uh, but of course uh, if one practice like noise for example is dormant for now 
all of a sudden I have a lot of time to do something else and also reflect. So uh, I went on researching for uh, another ongoing project and that was the time I never had before. And again, like to pick up the, the comment that Sonia did uh, regarding the uh, income among the freelance support team. Uh, it's not much, but it's something. So, you know, like for this uh, couple months, three months, uh, I'm sure that I can survive. So that's good. Uh, and I think, you know, like, uh, there is, uh, of course, the worry because, like, the programming of Butcher's Tears stopped. We were thinking of doing something online, but all of a sudden, there's this like flood of uh, streaming all over the platform. You were supposed to be Morocco now, right? Exactly. So that uh, that also was cancelled. Uh, and that is yet another thing that uh, we're trying to reconsider because all of a sudden, you know, like uh, this project in Morocco, the Antibot Institute, which is this sort of speculative fiction uh, get-together of practitioners that think through the methods of uh, science fiction and theory fiction. Uh, it's... Insane how all of a sudden we are in the future. We are in that dystopian uh, uh, historical moment in which we are brought to reconsider a lot, like uh, on an individual scale. And yeah, but, it, but it's the future and at the same time Middle Ages. Exactly, right? So this is this is sort of uh, this is very very weird. And, and somehow we're discussing a lot, uh, Michael Dudek, who's the other artist that started this with me and I, we're also very good friends, so we're actually discussing a lot this uh, observation and trying to, uh, I mean this project was supposed to be anyway very flexible and open-ended from the very beginning. And I think that this is also a big challenge for us to think like, okay, what form should this take? Or, you know, like, how are we willing to actually evolve and morph along, you know, like this uh, historical development of the situation and how the nations are going to respond? Because, of course, like, maybe we will be allowed to travel, but not outside of Europe. We postponed it uh, to the fall, but we're not even sure if we're if we'll be allowed to travel by then you know like or if there's another lockdown everything is sort of very suspended but instead of being uh, let down by this uh, we're actually sort of excited to see you know like also how people are uh, craving or something and also think together instead of imposing the thing like yeah we're gonna do it via zoom like no thanks <laughs> but to think of a way you know like that is somehow in the middle between this like digital interfacing and uh, being together so we'll see but uh, I don't have an answer because I'm I'm still thinking uh, through this uh, but it's very it's very weird because also, as Sonia said, like the more you read the news, the more it feels also your 
uh, it's very depressing and it seems really like this. Trying to, to just direct you in one way, it kills the imagination. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. It's strange. For me, maybe I this I will qualify this as the asshole answer <laughs> to give to like how things are gonna change. But I don't know. I had this, I had been having the feeling of like total abandonment for a while, like since November or so, like my health was going down terribly. It actually strangely after post corona I'm feeling better than, than before <laughs> in the last year or so. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was kind of a little bit, uh, yeah, in a hermit situation already in February, January, and um, sort of self-isolated to keep my mind at ease in, in general. And it was very strange to transition into the actual quarantine uh, from, a, from a sort of personal quarantine in a way. So I didn't really feel that that progression of like, oh, everything is radically different right now because I had already been sort of doing my own thing and, and working from home um, and that and that kind of stuff. So that, that's, yeah, that's been very strange in my, from my personal perspective. And from the other side, it's just like, I keep thinking about this metaphor. I can't remember who it was, but a friend of mine, I can't remember. Maybe there's a bunch of friends who say the same thing. Like they really love football, and they and they get an annoyed when people get all excited about the World Cup because it's like, oh, these fuckers! Like I'm I'm constantly like passionate about this, and you just get excited when this is like a global thing. What's wrong with you? And for me, it's like so. This is a part of the, the asshole answer. It's like all these things are not new. Like this fucking like. How many people are dying of all the other things all the time? And like right now, as we see, there is people getting raped. This is this like contra Leibniz, the worst possible universe you can imagine. Because we're fucking utter like indifference in a way that that the type of activity we engage with, like the type of thing we are, sort of your intuition. And your and your sense of cohesion sort of falls out at a certain point, and that's just the nature of like any of these any of these conversations. So it's yeah, it's the asshole answer, but it's how I'm feeling lately. I'm just like, you know what? No, but but that's really, <laughs> but it's really interesting because uh, it proves how uh, vulnerable uh, the system in which we live is to minor fluctuations but the fluctuations that affect the system uh, as a whole so you can have pretty awful fucked up situations every day going on but still the machine keeps going but obviously you cannot stop the economy for six weeks because it's like open the the, the the seventh ring of Dante Inferno. It's like, <laughs> like no, 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 no. No way that we can stop capitalism. It's like, no way. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's super strange. Super strange. And you said something in the, 
uh, in the past, uh, Sony, about fragility, robustness yeah. of, of human coordination. That I think is, uh, yeah, it's super interesting when you see this kind of uh, resistance, rebellion, reaction to national measures, and at the same time the inability to coordinate that kind of social. Uh, uh, empathic response, kind of yeah, solid, a very basic I, notion there is, of. There, there is a few things going on that are really cool. I'm just gonna plug this right now. Like uh, the solidarity brigades uh, are 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 like a, a movement dispersing with it with its internal problems I've been understanding, but like a, a movement dispersing mostly uh, with epicenters in uh, Italy and uh, France for people organizing themselves to help other other people out and people who need you know daily assistance because they can't get out and uh, all sorts of different types of needs uh, kids who need special teaching uh, uh, or like a, you know what I mean people who who, who just require attention on a daily basis. It has an unfortunate name, I think, brigade, it's a military term, but that's one of the things. I, it's, I think it's also like, we run into the problems that we always run into, but we can brush off and turn to something else. I have the feeling like, um, you know, a colleague doesn't agree with you and you're like, well, you know, that's just, I guess we have to agree to disagree. And then you walk on and you move to something else. And now it's the, the, what's interesting is that one of the challenges is similar for everyone, like in completely different circumstances that everyone finds themselves in. But that, that situation, that's also something I wrote in the pad, like I think I wrote in the pad, I don't remember anymore now. So the, the inability to kind of understand where someone else is coming from because they don't match up your vision and desires, which you can try to rationalize as, as much as you want, but they are in the end, like all sorts of different, like major or minor value judgments that you make about how the world should be. That That's, yeah, I forgot how this sentence started, but that's something that I'm interested in, 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 the, in terms of social, cohesion or like uh, uh, robustness, resilience versus fragility. It's like, when do people give up? How much do they need to assume about others in order to give up or not? Or like, when do people make the leap and, and, and sort of reach out and, and, and think social cohesion instead of lone actor? Like that, that's a very interesting psychological back and forth. Like you have to be super schizophrenic and understand the herd situation understand yourself and, and and jump between states and it's also something that we're super deprived of right now like even though we can of course access these types of conversations online and stuff like the meeting meeting each other in physical space the I, something i also wrote in the in the, bed, the, 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 the the concept of spatial reasoning and how that's actually becoming something that is more and more prominent in, in, in cognitive science the the way that we feel 
as an entire system, spatially located somewhere and all the gestures and all the things that come with it, that's something that we don't have right now. And so that cohesion, fragility, I'm rambling here, I'm sorry, but that's kind of lost. It's a very banal statement, but it's so crucial to how you identify with a crowd or other people or actor in general. That's what people are saying, no? That uh, the meetings in uh, digital realm are much more tiring. The whole work is much more tiring because you don't have access to the whole body language. I mean, there is a lot that is being missed, so you have to process it uh, from a much more narrow kind of uh, frame of information. And, 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 and if Sonia, I am pretty sure she knows better uh, than us, but I read this thing about Giordano Bruno, and actually I was reading about uh, some Augustine, Giordano Bruno, and uh, all, all, all these guys. If there is something in our cognitive abilities so bounded with the idea of a space and navigating a space, and we are deprived, and it's replaced by a platform <laughs> like Zoom, that's super bleak. It's like yeah. <laughs> very fucking strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I keep thinking about there are some days that I completely disconnect myself from the computer, the phone, everything, and I and I keep wondering doing this experiment of like which which would feel like it leads to something that interests me more. You know what I mean? Like which do you prefer essentially um, on the long on the long run and the short run? difficult to tell because yeah I right now it it's kind of the question of of course like my common sense impulse would be to say of course I prefer to stay connected with other people but at the same time I don't know there's a joy that I get from being in the same space with people that I really don't get from digital conversations and I, I don't mean to say that I'm not enjoying it. It's a great conversation. It's super nice to see you. But I'm not really seeing you, you know what I mean? I just don't it's like a kind of like when you have one of those dreams and then a few years later you think like did I dream that or did that really happen? That's what it feels like. There's like there's a realness of it's like that's how they have it. What, do you think it would be replaced? It could be replaced through avatars and through you know certain sensors. I mean, do you think? I mean, there will be a. It could be possible to naturalize this uh, in the future through avatar kind of. Uh, With the right technology, yeah, I think for sure. I don't think there is something like essentially different that cannot be sort of mimicked. But yeah, we're not there yet, or. Something needs to be radically understood in a different way. Yeah, but there is something that I don't know if I am okay with this in, with this particular reading of Plato's Cave because <laughs> it sounds a little bit like solar punk. Maybe you have heard about this already, but the, actually the the actual sound that you are trying to find out of the cave is not this light of enlightenment of the ideal world is the actual sun as a physical like <laughs> stream of energy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah act actives your soul <laughs> so yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I mean, the, the ultimate immediacy, right? <laughs> Just burn. Burn in the sun. But I wanna, I can ramble about this stuff, but I will Martina, you say something now. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, um, I'm just thinking uh, that uh, I do relate to what you're saying a lot because uh, I'm not bored. I, I mean, I live alone. Um, so, I mean, uh, you all live with somebody, right? I live alone, but I'm not bored yet. <laughs> you know, like, and uh, I miss people also as an Italian and being also the... My father was deaf, so you know, like there was a lot of contact, a lot of touching, and I missed that. Uh, I received a hug uh, on Tuesday, which was the first time I somebody touched me in 53 days. I cried because <laughs> it was very intense for me. So I sort of missed that, but I'm not bored yet. And boredom, I think, is also, you know, like, I don't want to uh, talk about it in a negative way. Uh, but I always have something to do. I always have something to think about. And somehow uh, being projected in this, like, uh, loneliness uh, actually gave me a lot of peace in the sense that uh, I'm also a very anxious person, so somehow having a blank schedule all of a sudden uh, made me feel free, even though I was like uh, encaged into my own apartment and trying to also devise ways in which I could go out, like I go on with my screaming at the lake, uh, so you know, like this sort of liberation, <laughs> uh, this act of liberation and release on a daily basis which is you know like something i uh really need but i think that like on a um, psychological level despite all the traps that isolation has of course because for people that have uh i don't know uh, i'm thinking about eating disorders you know like being at home can be very challenging and can be very very difficult uh, and it takes a lot of work uh, an effort in order to balance out, you know, like all the pros and cons and how you need to also create a comfortable space for yourself. Uh, but I also do agree with uh, Sonia, you know, like the loneliness is bringing uh, a lot of calmness. Uh, I'm not anxious anymore. Like all of a sudden, if I have one thing to do, <laughs> I'm like, oh, now, now I need to, to do this one thing and then I get like uh, very intense about it. I was just like, okay, I need to plan this because I need to. Uh, so the anxiety sort of comes back just because, you know, like that's the mode, that's the activation mode that I used to function on. But I'm also trying to deconstruct that. Uh, and I think like one thing that I was discussing yesterday with a friend is that somehow also this isolation, which is, which is, which can also be, you know, like the positive and negative aspects of this, like constant interfacing with people through a screen, uh, despite missing, you know, like the body language and the contact and the spatial reasoning and so on and so forth. Uh, I think that we're realizing that a lot of uh, demands that also as 
workers and so on and so forth were like actually meaningless. Yes, we can be productive at home. We can be productive on a flexible schedule, for example, you know, like uh, we don't need a dress code. Like all of these little elements that also construct uh, somehow the condition for labor, especially, you know, like in 2020. I mean, I used to work for a company that was uh, editing metadata and I, I used to go to an office every day, but I could have done my work from home, which I did sometimes, but you know, like I work from midnight until 8 a.m. It wouldn't have changed much apart from meetings. You know, like you can, you can, you know, like, and somehow maybe, maybe this is also showing how useless certain demands are for certain kinds of jobs, of course. Uh, I'm talking only, you know, like uh, certain sectors also, you know, like, even though, even though it's, it is very tiring. Um, and I feel, Sorry. yeah, no, no, finish. I, I was finished. <laughs> Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of companies are going to start using this mode of working because for them, it's, they, don't, they will not have to pay for rent, they will not have to pay for electricity, for the internet network. So it's going to be, you know, much more a demand on how you will be organized at your place and then, okay, with those conditions, you will be able to work. I mean, that's, uh, I think that's clearly there to stay and that's crazy right because it's like it's the ultimate expansion of dominion in all sorts of ways like you can't escape anywhere because you're at work in your home so i don't speak from my position and like i'm speaking in the, i imagine my brother is a software uh engineer that he will be sort of invaded at home for example uh uh and then you know, sort of on the clock and this kind of thing, like where do you go if you're at home? He's already working like that now, but I hope this is a very optimistic outlook that people then get so alienated, for lack of a better word, by that, that they actually respond in something major changes instead of actually, which will be the most foreseeable, but hopefully, you know, the, the, the least interesting outcome that they just sort of accept that and it all yeah continues to crumble in very much the same way as it as it did before the same kind of mechanism happening all over again at least give me new types of oppression <laughs> same old shit you know I mean? <laughs> some kind of challenge <laughs> but I think I think that there is an inherent challenge even here because uh, um, again I think I'm in a very privileged position because I live alone in an apartment which is comfortable but there's a lot of people that do not have that there's a lot of people that are sharing apartments and they're all working from home yeah, and, absolutely. and just now in the Netherlands there was a rise in rent uh, of two yeah. percent so all of a sudden, people that are also living on support schemes for this few months, like they have to pay higher rent, which is insane. Like, again, uh, real estate is 
you know, like totally detached from whatever is happening now and it's functioning in its own way. Like on this like very linear trajectory of just like profit, profit, profit. Yeah, but the, if the virus is entering your, your home, the problem is the problem that Sonia described, that this is going to be contagious with your daily life. It's going to alienate. You are going to feel the need to be productive. Mm. Not, not just with your daily job, but with your creative output, yeah. with your daily bullshit. Yeah. And, and now we have this war, this war for physical space, which is like how I am going to pay the rent, how I am going to have this kind of reservoir of freedom that maybe is only my bedroom, but still this bedroom is colonized by my job that pays the rent. The rent. I don't have even a, an office where I can mentally allocate my alienated and hateful. You know what I mean? Yeah. The cubicle is gone. Like the cubicle is in your fucking bedroom. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's been happening. Like that's already been on the rise before the pandemic, of course. But I mean, what worries me more is uh, the only thing that I wrote in the kind of, uh, and and that's the same worry for the last whatever hundred years of media studies. You want to reach that back to core studies, but we like willingly give our thinking up to the platforms we engage with. We willingly like go on fucking Facebook and check like how am I thinking about this, and the illusion of actually being in control of that not affecting you on a deeper level. Of, you know, well, I can. I'm smart enough to keep it at a distance. No, like. Haven't you learned anything? Like it's just getting into you like a fucking earworm. It's it's not something you can. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? So it goes beyond that. We've already done that. It's already given up. Yeah. The asshole answer. <laughs> no. The, the asshole opinion. But yeah. No, but it's really. I mean. I don't want to sound like paternalistic, for God's sake. No, but it's like, no, but uh, voices uh, like yours or people with that opinion, that particular opinion, and let's see uh, quite uh, like kind of openly political resistance, like from a niche perspective, let's say, uh, free software, blah, blah, blah. If it is for a more deep food, the result of a kind of reflection, own personal reflection, it is rejected. Like, ah, you are a misfit. What, what, uh, go to a monastery. It's like now lives are technological mediated. That's over. You know what I mean? I, I'm not sure 100%. It's like uh, we take for granted that that's the current state of things unless you engage in in this. For example, now it's quite obvious because maybe you can lose your job if you do not engage in dodgy platforms, let's say, soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like... Yeah, yeah. 
Sorry, guys. Oh, I, for sure. I received the package. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> I mean, that is also another part of this living in Corona times. Uh, packages and open the door. Yeah. That. And getting also the packages for the neighbors. I have like three now. <laughs> But disinfect the cardboard, it can live for 24 hours, Martina. <laughs> Doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> I like just like licking the cardboard every time I get it. Put <laughs> a contact mic and record it. A sound for this piece. Exactly. The sound of contagion. <laughs> I, had a, I had a mini like... I remember no, speaking of packages like a, a corona no, experience of a month but two months back something like that I, I opened the door there was a the doorbell was ringing and I was the only one home I was sick and I knew it and, I, and the doorbell kept ringing kept ringing I was like fuck don't fucking just go away and then I in the end I opened the door really quickly and I ran back and I, like jumped two meters back and I told the guy like just I saw it with the mailman just drop the package I'm sick like I, I, this naturally came to me he jumped like as if there was a kind of <laughs> magnetic field sort of as I had we were like the door was a very clear you know edge at that at that particular moment. <laughs> oh. Oy, oy, oy. So, but um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's super, it's super strange. The, I mean, he's not gonna listen to this, but I have a football player living upstairs, and he receives a huge, a huge amount of packages a day. Wow. He buys, he buys a lot of clothing. So, um, oh, I, yeah. so uh, are you sure he's not gonna listen to this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that would I be hope awesome. he does. Yeah, I hope he does. <laughs> uh, so um, the other day, he, he dates a lot of um, sentimental partners as well. And what, what makes it sentimental? <laughs> uh, so it's, I, either like someone crying or sex noise. <laughs> <laughs> the first time that I heard that concept, will you please? No, okay. He dates a lot of girls, okay? Um, so the other day, he was outside and a woman that we assume. Uh, this is quite, it's super weird, uh, that we assume is the mother of uh, his son, but they are not dating anymore. S start knocking in our door, like, and we were like, what do you want? No, it's because uh, this person texted me saying that you receive and sign a package, that it's for me, and he's not going to sleep tonight here because obviously he's sleeping with another guy <laughs> but could you open the door because he received a present for the kid that was uh, with her in the in the door 
so I, I, I was like doing this, figuring this, this situation, like super melodramatic 2020 situation in which the guy said, eh, fuck it, I am with my lover, eh, but the package arrived and the neighbor signed it. So go there and knock the door and try to get it. And he was like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. <laughs> oh boy. But basically, yeah, your your movements are completely traced. And yeah. So you basically don't have to read the mail of your neighbor anymore to know yeah. what's going on with their life. You just have to <laughs> receive the package. Yeah, no, and, actu and actually it's like, yeah, Amazon is sending you a notification that I already got the package. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh-uh. That's something I, yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, I just, I was already cursing at this a few years back when all my super radical friends were like, I, I just ordered this on Amazon, like, damn, and now it's like, oh, the ugliest, ah, the, the sort of craziest tragedy, you know, that something like that, I mean, it's nice that a lot of flights are cancelled, but something like Amazon is, is just rising to the top and all the other ugly platforms as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that we were talking, I don't know with who, but it's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> Amazon is making shitloads amount. It's not only just sending books and so on. It's just because the, the amount of uh, data allocation that they receive now and it's like the development of uh, apps that they need the storage in the cloud for <laughs> like it's unbelievable yeah. this is not amazon huh i'm supporting my local bookstore <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, just, yeah. just, my just saying, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> was that dune or what uh yes Dune and I also uh, Dune. <laughs> yeah I mean because I I need to read like the rest and also Asimov the foundation novels uh, yeah I'm reading a lot of science fiction lately <laughs> I tried to watch David Lynch extended cut of Dune the other day but it's like wow it's super weird it's like okay <laughs> you have these tough moments of like did you watch it the new one or the... No, 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 the new one is gonna be in October, the, something like that. The, the, the original the, one. David Lynch, yeah. The one from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Carl McLaughlin. McLaughlin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it's okay, but it's... I don't know, I don't... I don't I'm not really a fan of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it just because it's June. Um... <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, but I just wanted to say something regarding this, uh, like, uh, movement, because I'm thinking, you know, like, uh, I, I don't know, but the fact that we're all more or less sure that we're home most of the time and even your neighbor, right? Maybe, maybe he, he knows that you're like a sensitive person that is, you know, like 
self-isolating and being uh, respectful and somehow it's just like, yeah, I can go wherever I want because my neighbor is going to get... I mean, the other, the other day he was uh, parking the BMW with a glass, a, a crystal glass of white wine in one hand <laughs> while he was driving the car. Dropped something at home. I don't know, in, in three minutes left the house again with a glass of wine, did another kind of shit with the car in 10 minutes and came back home with a glass of wine, with wine, again home. It's like, what the fuck are you doing uh, in the middle of confinement? Yeah. Where do you live, Miguel? Uh, uh, no, no, in a nor <laughs> very normal neighborhood. Eh? Uh, really Be normal. Yeah, yeah, because actually he's, he's, he's not a Premier League Ah, okay. It's like second week. Okay. <laughs> That's the only part you had to quit. <laughs> I mean, I think I lost my my job at uni, but quite likely a couple of weeks before maybe my, my income was better than his income. So okay. Well, that. That's good. <laughs> but so uh reading well, the mail after <laughs> uh but I'm I'm just thinking, you know, like it's uh Netherlands is approaching a mild, very, very mild reopening uh, from Monday on. And then there's two, like, uh, more steps, 1st of June and then 1st of July, which I think is also a way to relieve also this uh, uh, freelance support. Because, of course, if I can go back to work 1st of June, uh, then they don't have to pay me in June, right? which is the support scheme is supposed to include also June, uh, which is uh, weird. But I'm also thinking, you know, like this uh, vision of uh, the future in which we will have to uh, be, we will have to have like a sort of immunity passport or test results in order to access spaces or touch people, you know. Uh, and so now there's like this big discussion about the apps and who's designing these apps for contact tracing, Bluetooth, all these issues that are involved, which are the experts that are actually uh, pitching in. Uh, but uh, I don't know, I find it uh, very scary uh, somehow. This notion that you mentioned of uh, immunocracy. Yes, exactly. Because I think that immunocracy was mentioned in one of the first plague pods, uh, I think, and I and I remember writing it down. And uh, I had actually some conversations because uh, some people were just telling me, you know, like, okay, we're actually at the beginning of this very big rise of biopolitics biopolitics and control over the bodies and the freedom also of movement and how to direct uh, these things, which is also connected, you know, like to the inherent issues of uh, the contact trace, uh, uh, contact tracing app, uh, which is, you know, like, is it anonymous? I read a very good article in which it says, yes, like potentially it is anonymous, but it doesn't take much to actually identify, for example, an uh, an infected person. And if it's anonymous, it's useless. Also, that's the whole thing. Like that's also what. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. But, an... uh, 
what, what did I want to say with this? Uh, no, that eventually the people, and this also connects to what I was mentioning earlier about this, you know, like sort of eugenic plan. Eventually the, the ones, the, the last ones sending are going to be the immune ones. And also the immune ones are, first of all, the more privileged ones. So the ones that, you know, like have also the privilege of not being exposed all the time and perhaps build immunity like uh, slowly. Um, and, uh, and I'm also thinking, you know, like on a, the, the very first discussions were also connected to this sort of generational divide, right? At the beginning, you know, like the coronavirus was the boomer remover. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and here in the Netherlands, you know, like, uh, they came with this uh, term, the Corona Spookers, which were the people that were spitting, uh, you know, like, uh, and all these kids that are just outside and not being um, considerate just because they're kids. And they're just like, yeah, I'm not going to get harmed by this virus. It's killing granny. It's not killing me. Uh, which, you know, like it's a two-sided thing, but in a way it's also, you know, like this sort of takeover of a territory and also the public space by the people that think or assume uh, that they're uh, immune. Uh, I don't know where I want to go with this, uh, but uh, I also feel, you know, like that uh, even within the limits of responsibility, like when I'm out uh, and I cross paths, I don't know, with, well, keeping distance and so on and so forth. Maybe maybe there's like, uh, I don't know, an old elder elderly person who's just like covering his or her mouth just because I'm, you know, like I'm the one who's not supposed to be there, like somehow. So there's like this constant uh, misunderstanding uh, as well, you know, like of how we should behave, who, uh, and uh, so on and so forth. But this, you know, like, I don't know where I want to go with this. Please <laughs> comment on something. <laughs> <laughs> can I, if, I, if I'm not interrupting something, Miguel? Oh, no, 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 please, please go ahead. I was wondering, like, throwing a question to all three of you. If you are walking down the street and you run into someone you know is a new neighbor, so someone you have like barely any prior experience of, you have no, you can't really predict them because they're just someone you don't really know, uh, to the extent that you can predict any person, but whatever, just a new neighbor. You don't know where they live, like or each house they moved into, that's what I mean, you know, like you don't have any conception of this person, it's just, you know it's a new neighbor. And you can advise them on something, what would you say to them? Like let's say you have to advise them because it's just fate has it that you need to tell this person something and you know that they're going to think about it, they're going to put it to use, whatever. Like, what is the one sentence, two sentence, one liner that you would give to this new neighbor you don't know? You know it's your neighbor, so that's the only thing I'm trying to give. Like, the connection is already established. Like, you know, this person is in a certain relationship with you. But what would you say? But in relation to coronavirus? Yeah, like in the current situation. So right now, like you walk out of your house and there is this person, oh, my new neighbor, I don't know who, but my new neighbor. And you have to tell them something like, hey, I think you should, or hey, I think this is, or hey, 
what do you think of what would you say it's interesting no i'm asking i'm asking this question to myself and to other people in different form but this is i think the easiest way to ask in terms of like uh, coping with the current crisis i am interested in your question but i think it's it's complex because i don't know from <laughs> which point of view we should address this in practical yeah. terms that's what's interesting right you just have to choose something like yeah. that it's it's completely open you just have to choose sometimes you're also startled by a neighbor appearing out of nowhere or a phone call that appears out of nowhere and you have to tell people I th- something I just can because give you, i can give you a personal uh, account yeah. of a neighbor that lives and we know you know we know her but basically we met her uh on sunday while walking that's one thing that we are you know meeting quite often in different walks we meet a lot of neighbors and she was very down because she lived alone and she you know she was you know she was lacking social interaction so basically we just invite her next day for tea with we had we did the social distance here is allowed it's legal you know but you could really feel that she had she was in need of social interaction and then we had a beautiful day next day you know so that's a kind of uh, something that, but we knew her we knew she said herself that she was like you know uh, living alone and you know like you know she was in a she, at that precise moment she was feeling a bit low and next day i think it really helped her to you know just socialize a bit you know and uh, i think she, so that's knowing that specific circumstances that she was alone you know i don't know in more general terms uh, I don't, I don't the, the, the thing is that in this kind of encounters i've heard from different friends of that they are doing pretty awesome examples of solidarity that i won't explain here but yeah basic stuff so you can act so the advice i don't know how useful are my words i mean the only advice that i can give is the advice that i give to myself and it's like this kind of almost liberating thing of thinking daily like this uh, uh, perturbation is so huge that seems to affect determinism and this has a kind of a dramatic human aspect but nonetheless is liberating for me uh, because you see that the system is not so deterministic you see you need little uh, things to break everything down but you think so like I you in terms of in terms of obviously this has a dramatic human uh, outcome i mean inequality i mean in the yesterday they were saying if you are black in uk you have four times uh, chances of dying from covid-19 <laughs> i mean this is really fucked up but that's what i mean it's not like that's why then it feels deterministic to the extent that you can like depend how what kind of time span or 
but I guess the I, numbers I, are ridiculous. I mm. guess you said it before. Uh, that yeah. You know, Inevitably, there will be uh, people feeling so fed up and so uh, not being able to cope with the situation that they will rise up. I mean, there will, surely there are going to be struggles. Uh, I think that you know the world was becoming more and more uncertain. There were different struggles going on in different places, and and I think now it's going to. The, the horizon, I think, is open in the sense that nobody really knows how things will really go. I mean, things will get normalized, depends, but it's, there is going to be certainly room for struggle. And we have the experiences of the previous decade, you know, the, the, the limitations of certain of those struggles, and people are very, you know, a lot of people are very, very fed up. So, but but, I, yeah. Oh, so, Bert, I was gonna give an asshole answer. So. Ah, go for it, Martina. Yeah, asshole answer. No, please. No, you go first. You go first. Uh, I will color the conversation with my asshole. <laughs> I think. I mean, but that isn't that the kind of story we've been telling ourselves every time really i'm very young so i don't know or very old depends on how we look at it i, I don't know myself, but oh i don't think so i think there is uh, i mean i mean there's been so many discussions around it and uh, you know but obviously in the last century there was the potential you know like i mean the working class had the power to basically make people make the capitalist and you know the power structures to have to shift and to change that you know decrease decrease decreased maybe uh, and in the later years um, I mean I don't know I mean the, there were certain struggles that could maybe anticipate certain uh, changes but we've seen the limitations but I think we are at the moment where, um, because of the previous crisis, I think the previous crisis already shows that you cannot, you know, many of the strategies that the governments did were, you know, trying to reconfigure itself and then it was just restructuring and everybody saw it. So there's so many assumptions, foundations and values that previously were accepted, that now they are totally put into question. So yeah, yeah. but so, put into uh, question also in a very fragmented way, no? Abs Sorry, abs uh, absolutely, but at, at least this fragmentation is showing itself. I mean, and it's a very problematic. It's a very very problematic field. It's the perfect field, as we talked before, for uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, um, it's very very difficult ground where to, to to stand but 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 yeah I mean within this fragmentation the ground is open you know and people are trying to uh, you know hold themselves up but a lot of people are losing faith in many many assumptions and values or you know even the concept of democracy is being put into question in many you know so so many I, th I think you know, Inevitably, there will be the chance to periodize, you know, 
because many things were already at the last uh, stance. You know, they, they, they were already crumbling. You know, there were many issues and beliefs that were already crumbling. So I think this is like the last drug that is going to make people realize, okay, uh, certainly not this way because we have the experience of what happened in the last decade. You know, certainly not this other way. You know. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's the last straw. I think it's definitely like a big straw, but probably when we start feeling the, which we already do, but when we start feeling the effects of climate change at a, at a way more like uh, a terrifying level, that's the last straw. I think that people, that, that's when you start freaking out. Right now, as like from my perspective, and I'm keeping in touch with a lot of people all over the globe, so it's, I, I have a feeling that I have a, yeah as far as one person can contain a global conversation with with other people about how they're experiencing all this it, it's not the last straw and that's what's bad also you know i wish it was the last straw i wish it, it was so what, so what I, can make it not be in the last straw is it that they still have enough quality of life to keep on going or to believe in the values that I mean, it's obviously the not. Is I mean, this is not the apocalypse that I was wishing. I mean, <laughs> it's like quite comfy, uh, watching Netflix, quite awful apocalypse. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's not the dream of a survivalist. It's like you can continue working, yeah, you can continue yeah. being exploited, you can have sexting. You can do pl plenty of different things in order yeah. to survive with your miserable life. Yeah, no, but, that, that, yeah. but uh, I just wanted to make a comment uh, uh, like that connects first to the comment of uh, to what Martin said and also to uh, Sonia's uh, comment. I mean, I see a lot in the media the, the 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 aesthetics of uh, the the protest is being like very much dominated by this uh, polarization that is like uh, between the so-called left and right. So all of a sudden, all the people that uh, really do believe that we we are responsible we have civic responsibilities we are all home right well the streets are being taken by people that want their normal life back you know like they're the ones that have signed like <laughs> give me freedom or give me corona like okay that's also like very dubious <laughs> that was like a funny one but you know like all of these people that just want to go back to the life as they used to know it or the people that are uh, destroying 5g <clears throat> masks and so on and so forth so in a way you know like this imagery this aesthetic is being uh, appropriated by uh, something that is perhaps like totally the opposite. So what is going to be like the new way of rising up, the new way of uh, countering uh, <clears throat> capitalism and its logics and its consequences? Um, 
And uh, and then I forgot what I wanted to comment on Sonia's comment. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> no, it's not good. Just because I was thinking of this woman holding the sign, <laughs> give me freedom or give me corona. <laughs> no, this is the last straw. Like, to what? Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Because we had like a brief conversation about uh, that uh, documentary very eco-fascist documentary of uh, produced by Michael Moore. Uh, and, you know, like, yes, somehow uh, there is this, like, uh, as you said, Miguel, you know, like, there's this, the, 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 the apocalyptic uh, dream would be, you know, like, yes, now I'm, I'm gonna have to fight for my resources, hunt my food, you know, like, learn how to make a fire. <laughs> But that's not that, you know, like, I'm, yeah. uh, somehow being home is also interesting because all of a sudden we're even aware of how much we consume of electricity, water, you know, like, and how we can also contain because the, 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 the narrative of this documentary, uh, the title is um, Earth of Humans, right? Um, it's like planet okay, of the humans. Yeah. Planet of the humans. Uh, it's like okay, humans are bad. Whatever solution they have is like you know, like profit driven, and it's not gonna uh, save us. Uh, and we are the virus, <laughs> right? <laughs> but of, but then if you if you submerge this with what people are protesting for, right? Let us free. Let us roam the streets. You just want to be able to go shop in the major shopping streets of your town. You know, like there's not really much that you're really fighting for because life as you used to know it was implying a lot of stuff that was not uh, uh, essential. You know, like it was already like on top, on top, on top, on top of some like basics that we should be assigned regardless you know like life as we used to know it you know like i'm spending way less money and all of a sudden i realize you know like apart from books of course i could have pdfs sorry but i support still my local bookstore but you know like i'm spending way less money yeah all of us yes which is which is fantastic you know like because the moment uh i was uh deprived of certain things i was just like okay i can totally live without those things and those things you know like were just uh somehow virtual needs that were created in order for me to spend and produce and were not uh essential again like i'm 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 just uh, sharing what I've been experiencing and what I'm thinking about, not to say that I'm like exposing some kind of truth, uh, but somehow I think, uh, you know, like that a lot of people, while they're claiming their their need and urge to go back to normal, they're actually not realizing that they have for once the opportunity to rethink from their own personal environment how to reshape uh, actions, reactions, needs, and, and so on and so forth. 
and I think it, you know, like it takes a little bit of self self reflection, and you know, also need to be critical towards yourself. You know, like yeah, no, yeah, for sure. But I don't know. I think I kind of disagree. If I'm listening to it from the perspective I I am right now, like it's not. If you look at the the, you know, the people that are always out there with very extreme opinions you know all lives matter kinds of people in the states at least like those that will be the category who are the same people who are kind of protesting you know freedom or or corona type of stuff i mean yeah you can you can say that against them you could have always said that against them but like right now i think a lot of the people who are urging to go back to normal it is if you want to look at the very like the rainbow aspect of it it's it's them realizing like how much they depend on being in a in in a in, in a space with other people and and exchanging looks and and movements and and words and I think I don't know. I'm not spending so much less money. The money that I realized I used to spend was like on these types of situations. So I would overpay for things that I normally buy for lesser money, like beer or coffee and that type of stuff, because you're outdoors with other people. So you, yeah, that money you don't spend anymore. But it is essential. Like it's more essential than the survival disposition. That that's that's maybe so. That's my reading of it. I'm not saying you're saying that, but that's where I would disagree. Yeah, yeah. To say like you're not. It's not like you realize that you're at home and like oh, I actually don't need so much type of realization. It it should at least for me it is more the opposite, and it, it is what I see in the people who are urging to to start again. It's not just people who make a living out of having a business that depends on crowds and this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just like people in general realizing like this is pretty fucked up not being around other people. It's not the way like, yeah. it's I not mean, the way but, things should go. Uh, I, I totally agree on this. But for example, yesterday I decided to take a walk in the city center of Amsterdam. So it was the first time after almost two months that I went there because I thought like, okay, there's my last chance to actually see, you know, like the red light district, entirely empty, uh, and so on and so forth. And some shops are open. People were shopping. You know, like people like had been lining to go shop <laughs> for, you know, like clothes and stuff like this. And you know, like of all, th- and that's that's what I was thinking of mainly, right? Like, if really the first thing you can think no, of... No, no, but that's the pacifier. Like, that's, yeah. That's, it's like the toilet paper. No, it's like the... It's, <laughs> it's like the training wheel on the bicycle. You just yeah. like... Ah! <laughs> that's what a lot of people will do, of course. Yeah. It's just difficult to say. That's one of the other things that I wrote in the, uh, in the pad. Like, it's difficult to say... Well, oh, I look at it from this particular perspective from which you can be self-critical and I know I'm privileged to do that. Like, it's, that's what, I'm, what I was saying, like, I disagree. But I'm not saying you were saying that, I'm reading it from those lines. Like, 
it's not it's not that like you're taught and and it's easy to say that from a position that one thinks one understands your perspective. Uh, because you can only trace so many paths in your past yeah. that lead to similar consequences, yet you've managed to avoid. It's like the same. It's like it's just a question of uh, pedigree for all of us forever. Yeah. Like a question of just human human collectivity uh, yeah. and 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 vast resource and limited resources historically. But I don't know. I yeah. Why you mention um, uh, the painting of melancholy? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I so when I was I was mentioning earlier, like I, it's a the, the engraving. It's beautiful. If you've never seen it, you should have it. For me, it's uh, very symbolic. It's an it's an allegorical uh, image, no? So it's got a lot of things that like have a a deep like echo in history but when I was in self-isolation in uh, at the beginning of this year I started running into it like completely randomly at those places it just kept coming back like if I went to a thrift store and I opened the book thinking like I'm just gonna whatever take a look at this book because it has a nice cover and open it I would find it Uh, I would be talking to friends and I would find I could just kept finding it everywhere so I decided to start paying more attention to it and then the more I looked into it the more meaning it had and I it just got me to thinking of the fact that well you need other people of course to make your identity that's something you were kind of well versed in by now but to what extent do you you know like paradoxically uh, run into stuff like to what extent are, are things that you run into promises or statements or facts like all those lenses that you can view things through are super important and that's something I I feel a lot of people are running into right now with kind of Uh, having less exhilaration, having less stress also from being around other people, missing that situation, understanding how much you rely on others for your selfhood. And then also starting to find out a lot about yourself. So that's, well, for me, that's just like one window into my perspective of the universe right now. It's that uh, like super uh, traditionally like the most discussed uh, 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 engraving that has ever been engraved um, and it because it's beautiful it's it's a it's a kind of muse angel uh, figure reflecting on basically like all knowledge possible because you've got everything in one image you've got you know ethics philosophy mathematics biology everything you want and this and there is this kind of dissatisfaction or melancholy or like aloofness to being in that state but there is also a longing for wanting the cohesion the cohesion is all in one image it's like the nicest allegory like everything is contained in it but it's not enough or it's, not, it's like the eternal and I, there could, that's just one reading out of the thousands that you can give it but that's what's in, interesting me a lot at this stage like to what extent do you find meaning 
uh, how does that make you feel? Like, how does how do you cope uh, with being alive by by assessing different types of meanings and stuff? And if you look at someone like Trump, it's so interesting to see how this entity oozes like a self-compatibility like a recursive it doesn't matter if it's like he's lying it doesn't matter if if he it doesn't matter what he does but his own like fractal self is so self-similar and so cohesive (laughs) that people believe him and love him that's the beauty of trump like because you can that's a it's a thing you know like he's got that which uh, uh, drives people. It's it's fucked up, and that's I, I think mean, something that yeah. Maybe maybe it's precisely because he goes beyond this. I mean, it's the opposite of melancholia. I mean, he. Yeah, for sure, was, for sure. No, no, I'm not comparing, but I'm saying. <laughs> get away, get Trump away from me. Yeah, no, but it's, it's interesting because I don't know if you heard that he was a couple of days ago in a factory in Texas, and there was these signs to wear. Uh, masks and of course he didn't have a mask and and the sound uh, it, w- it was playing is a live and let die you know it's, 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 it was like what an image you know it's, it's so beyond it's so uh, overwhelmingly uh, over the top and almost ubermens I mean it's, it's, it's like he's above everything you know I, like, I really like the description of <laughs> Uh, how did you say fractal self? Yeah, <laughs> like a self. I don't remember. But it, 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 it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like someone said. Oh, sorry. No, no. I, I think yeah. Like as you said, it's like this coherent. Whatever the but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like conspiracy theory, isn't it? It's like to make it a structural, really complex, uh, you know, situations. Uh, explain for you know totally simplified and he is once again this very simple uh, idea he represents them but they are you know it's like his language is quite reduced the number of words that he uses but, it's very repetitive yeah but you know it's like it's that and that and but it's a, yeah and it's also just assessments it's like everything is beautiful everything is great and, and not in the sense of it's just in the sort of soothing like you know you would expect a dutch doctor to tell you like no it's great it's fine like it's just got this uh, yeah everyone can fill that blank in with whatever they want like that's the, the nicest hyper uh, hyper simulation there's ever been beyond what you can say about any other world le- world leader it's it's just like yeah i mean i'm i'm thinking of you know like i mean the way that our attention and concentration abilities have diminished so there is a much more fragmented kind of uh, society source of information uh, and the more this fragmentation expands the more that you want extremely simple you know this coherent one-liners you know just fantastic no, you know it's like it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not but at least it's you know if you said with enough conviction and you have a body 
and a hairstyle and whatever else. <laughs> you know, it's like it's an anchor for coherence that so many people are just like whatever, at least it's something, you know. Yeah, I know, but that's the thing. That's also, please cut me off. Like, I feel like I'm over speaking. No, 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 please. It seems like you are in the zone. I'm in the zone! (laughs) (laughs) It just, yeah, that's why so many people right now, and I think also historically, but I think maybe it's more visible right now because you are able to, to, to... peek into other people's lives more than any other time before. Everyone's looking for some kind of spirituality, mythology, you know, yeah. origin story, uh, uh, coming of age type of like, no, something needs to change, there's gotta be a transformation, and, and where do I come from, and who I am, like that, that's obviously what we know always been doing, but right now it's just like the the... Uh, extreme uh, uh, rise of this type of rhetoric like fill in the gaps basically like there is nothing being said fill in the gaps is what scares me about this fragmentation like it's 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 always been there but because that's the trap of language in general but right now there is a certain kind of aloofness or or yeah zombie walking uh, 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 feeling that there is at, at certain places in, in certain ways cohesion when there isn't but this is yeah I mean I was going somewhere else with this now I don't remember but yeah that, that these messages are bigger and bigger and bigger and bi- bigger you know it's not even anymore the parody of like and, and they live with the like put on the glasses and then you see that uh, whatever copulate and uh, uh, wage labor uh, it's like they live is you don't even need they live anymore <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. it's just the what about, what about um, cultural expressions that represents uh, you know this because on the other, on the one hand I see uh, quite a lot of practice uh, you know like musicians or, or I can think of certain very kind of self-empowering uh, records or like you know I was um, listening to the what's her name Laura Braduk uh, you know um, uh, so, uh, well sorry I, I forgot um, her name uh, and it's uh, but well, I was listening to this record. It's only made with voices, and it's very overwhelming. But I guess also the Herdon record is also it has that kind of feeling of like with the voice, almost as you were describing it, almost like returning, even though with the aid of AI, but returning to some kind of uh, collective voice uh, together. It's very epic, very over the top, and it's. Um, and for me, rather than allowing to help us to understand, and we talked about this before, about the structural uh, fragmentation that we're talking about, is going uh, more towards this um, emotional way of dealing with this myth. Uh, it's a way of, you know, 
and new, new, new forms. Yeah, new forms of spirituality or. Yeah, I mean, if I if I can uh, make an analogy, because with uh, my friend and colleague uh, Michael, uh, the one I I should have been in Morocco with, um, we have started reading. Uh, together, The Mushroom at the End of the World uh, by Anna Tsing. And at the beginning of this book, uh, <clears throat> she she deals with different narratives and temporalities, of course, like of this mushroom picking and capitalism, which I find very interesting. But she brings up the, <clears throat> the metaphor of uh, polyphony and how these different narratives don't need to be, you know, like mutually exclusive, but they need to sort of tune, uh, they need to reach a point in which they make sense together. And of course, polyphony uh, then was like sort of erased and systematized in such a way that people could just like recognize, you know, like one harmonic line. Uh, and that's somehow, you know, like the difference. So we, we, we discard the polyphonic uh, nature of complexity and we seek that kind of, you know, like one line that we can follow or as uh, Sonia was um, saying, like this sort of very general statements that people, the blanks that people can fill in, right? Because it's so easy to tune to that uh, somehow. And I think that, uh, Martin, uh, I, I totally uh, understand, like, also your comment regarding, like, the Holy Herndon uh, uh, and this, like, sort of uh, picking this way of uh, expressing a choral um, uh, vocal, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, expression. <laughs> uh, taking uh, inspiration from this very uh, localized ways of singing that are not harmonic. Like the first time, you know, like, and I think they're like very polyphonic, if you think of it, because there are, and, and, and that's the connection, you know, like that it's very complex uh, music. If you listen to it, like there's all of these voices and the AI voice that is like sort of uh, responding to the natural voices, and they're all creating this very polyphonic uh, outcome. That's interesting. The the musician that I was talking about is Lyra Pramuk. Yeah. The record Fontaine, and it has a similar. I mean, yeah, it's dealing with complexity, uh, but it's making a quite. Uh, well, beautiful and emotive uh, type of music that even though the complexity is there, is unified in the sense that it drives you towards an emotional space that I don't know, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think there is a tension that it can drive you more towards this mythical kind of um, understanding of the voice as a place for uh, a concrete, special place, uh, even though it's totally mediated by technology. So I, I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I'm trying to, you know, I was, yeah, like kind of thinking of the, how the comments that Sonia was talking about mm -hmm. were being represented in cultural expressions these days. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, I think the, this, this whole thing of, yeah, uh, solar punk of holy herd and this optimistic to some extent envisionings of uh, the future in which they address yeah environmental concerns uh, extremely highly mediated uh, societies but with this yeah uh, I don't know uh, kind of new age uh, thing uh, is the 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 current uh, master narrative to understand this edgy kind of response. Well, as well, you have this kind of crazy Grimes, Elon Musk, villain uh, role. But yeah, but I find it highly problematic uh, the, the, this thing of, yeah. Is, but is solar panel a concept or solar solar, solar punk? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> solar punk. Okay. Solar, <laughs> solar panel as well is a concept. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But solar punk is the first time I hear it. Uh, I don't know if you could just give a brief kind of. A, <laughs> no, no. It's like I it's just a, punk, but solar punk is. Yeah, like, it's like not like cypherpunk or like cyberpunk, but like solar punk for the young. It's like less nihilistic and more. Yeah, op yeah, optimistic, ambitioning, yeah. yeah, using the complexity that you find in organic nature yeah. in order to develop more holistic techniques of, yeah, enhance, enhance humanity or an enhance humanistic project. Yeah, like, uh, the, like yeah, green, green technology uh, would be the best. Fantastic. I'm, I'm getting Another it. Job. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. I mean, and if you and if you watch the documentary Planet of the Humans, you're gonna you're gonna see that that's also very problematic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a very problematic one. Is Ursula Le Guin considered kind of solar punk pioneer? No. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So yeah, this kind of a speculative fiction, and um, even well, I I am not sure, but yeah, this mixture mixture with Taoism and Jung, and yeah. But uh, can I? Uh... Can I bring <laughs> your attention to that uh, tweet <laughs> thread that I that I that I linked, which yeah. I found which I found very interesting. You know, like this miasma theory. Discovery uh, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> no, but also because uh, I mean, when you when you wrote the email, I was thinking like. Uh, even even two days ago, what was it? Was it two days ago? Yeah, two days ago, I had this uh, 
uh, Zoom meeting with uh, the Pirate Bay Warm for this like reimagining collective space and whatever. And I was making some drawings, and then I thought like, well, I'm not, I'm not really thinking about noise that much lately, or, or at least I am. But I'm like, so I'm not thinking through what is happening using noise as a as a sort of you know like uh, as Martin would also say like as a device for decoding what is happening and then this tweet appears and then I'm thinking you know like is virus the noise you know like uh, somehow because in the tweets this woman is just saying you know, like yeah uh, the virus is being <laughs> uh, <laughs> spread through the noise and then she corrects herself saying well I'm not saying that the noise carries the virus I'm just saying that louder places bring people to actually speaking louder and maybe closer to each other so the virus can uh, spread more quickly but a lot of people were interpreting this like in very different ways and some people were like that's a very good theory and I really buy this you know <laughs> uh, well on the other hand I also appreciate her effort of I mean, I don't even think it's an effort. I think she was just trying to save uh, this like very easily misunderstood uh, tweet. But somehow I thought like, well, actually, it's it's also kind of nice that sh that you know, like it, she's trying to contextualize it, right? So somehow you're thinking of the conditions that can bring the virus. To spread and this somehow also includes noise uh, so I don't know I don't know if you thought anything about this uh, Twitter thread uh, or I don't yeah. know I read it actually because Mary Thompson I don't know if you know her yeah mm -hmm. that actually I think she's gonna do a pod with us she replied and she said Actually, I am a scholar of noise and I can say, no, there is no, no such <laughs> thing like. <laughs> like noise carrying viruses. Uh. <laughs> I, I, I was very interested, um, like reading uh, your text, uh, Miguel, uh, on the um, noise and synthetic biology. And did you actually take like has it changed by any means uh, or affect or no. have you looked at the way uh, you know a virus uh, deals with its environment you know because it's very interesting the proposal that you make of the different you know how to make a different understanding of noise depending on how it uh, intervenes within the system. Now the, the text uh, entered production like August, so then I did revisions but uh, not affected with that. But I uh, have tried to look. Yeah. And, and yeah. Well, maybe if you can say, you know, like how, yeah. you know, the kind of differentiation that you are bringing between noise and stochasticity and, you know, what there is like, you leave the room for, um, you know, that there is a kind of gap or uh, is the text I know also? Yes, it's the text actually that you proofread and help me with. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I don't know the text. I want to know. 
Uh, yeah, it's a text that was published uh, mid-April uh, by Nanoethics. Uh, it's, uh, you can access, it's open and source. Uh, uh, how to deal with uh, stochasticity, noise and synthetic biology. Um, yeah, basically the ways in which uh, we understand the stochasticity and the ways in which we produce this thing in synthetic biology called the reconciliator um, are interesting because you have like different ways of understanding the role of noise like obviously random perturbations uh, not enough redundancies uh, well you, you know this uh, as I do perfectly but certain forms of randomness let's say stochasticity can contribute to certain performance so then we can link these two your comment of the context that noise in terms of auditory uh, pollution or noise in terms of actual pollution could explain something. Uh, why I am making this connection because you mentioned uh, this tweet and I was thinking about, uh, for example, there was a lot of comments about pollution and how pollution can contribute to the spread of COVID-19 and how this is a very um, unique phenomenon of this new megalopolis in China in which you cannot see far beyond three, four meters because of pollution. So yeah, you try to open your scope and try to understand the context in which this organism at the edge of living is operating, is reduplicating itself and fluctuations uh, create new conditions, new changes in the frames of reference. Uh, yeah, why these are not MERS or uh, SARS-1 that suddenly they stopped uh, reduplicating themselves. Why this one is uh, so vivid in mm -hmm. its spread. Uh, it's, uh, I would like to give you a super insightful comment, but I didn't think in terms of, of this current crisis because it's like something that I was not thinking almost two years ago when I started with this. But yeah, for a while, for a, yeah, for a while I was under uh, estimating the psychological or uh, subjective uh, consequences of perceiving noise. Uh, I was trying to understand more the epistemic or ontological aspect. Now I see that the production of noise, maybe it's, it's uh, yeah, much more complex.
So even though we can say, ha ha ha, mi asma, uh, this <laughs> woman, this woman is crazy. There is certain layer of truth yeah. in the fact that maybe uh, complexity has to uh, uh, stay somewhere. Maybe we can call it crazy shit and has zero scientific accuracy. But uh, it makes sense to think that there is something specific to a place like Wuhan with millions population, uh, huge levels of pollution, or a place like New York City that the convolution of movement of people and maybe there is it's like a spurious causation it's like obviously there is no logical connection yeah. it's spurious but these are versions of the world that we create and yeah I mean but as a virus in terms of yeah this thing that lives at the age of yeah, an organism. No, I didn't, I didn't think in those terms. But it's interesting, right? Because if you if you were to think in those terms, and let's say you do get down to an analysis which kind of at the molecular level can say like, oh, this is exactly you know the forking of the path that led to. Uh, you know, the current pandemic, then in a specific enough scenario, wouldn't you actually be able to weigh every other molecular situation at, at that given state as a contributing factor to the outcome that you already know? You know what I mean? So, like, if you have a microscope deep enough, and I mean a microscope kind of metaphorically, not but you can also think of a real microscope, but that's not what I'm talking about. If you can look down the rabbit hole deep enough to be able to say which determining factor caused whatever is happening right now, you would be able to have the same type of chain of consequences uh, uh, connection with everything else at that given moment, right? So then Ah, I started saying this yeah, because of some, something else, and now I forgot why I started saying this, and only that that loop is left. Are you trying <laughs> to describe that if, if you if you zoom in into the determinism? Uh, no, I remember. Sorry, what I wanted to say. I mean, yeah, uh, that in the end you're going to be making a value judgment at the level at which we can relate to each other. Um, and, and speak with each other about these types of things. You would you would enter the same game, which is indeed what like, we talked about earlier. That's leading to all the conspiracy theories. And, yeah. Uh, people being so fragmented. It's this kind of post-truth situation. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, uh, I'm a bit confused. Um, do you? So, uh, so uh, I probably I misunderstood you. Do you mean that to try to find a kind of argumentation in the way noise works 
in regards to COVID-19 and you find that explanation in a kind of scientific way that that somehow approach would uh, imply that you will find other forms of explanation by for other processes that are part of this whole thing you know there is only on, not only that uh, and and that there is a connection rather than a correction to the whole conspiracy. I think but it's, it's not it's not that putting into question the whole scientific uh, research or sorry I'm I confused no 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 uh, I think that's why I the weird thing wasn't like relating what the, the loop of the argument that the with the impetus of why I started saying it now I'm even getting into a loop again like wait what <laughs> uh no but what basically it just comes down to like you could call a causality question of like if you get let's say the level of understanding of stochasticity in this case down to one molecule having an influence on a system uh then how can you say like it's that molecule and it's not the other molecule that is the receptor of the initial shockwave or the other way around like so it, it that's why it comes down to a yeah to the level of like to the level of time conception which means <coughs> that depending on how you want to assess it like oh we are what we've been or we are what we want to be matters a lot with respect to how you make that scientific analysis and so that leads you down to all these kind of really messy forking paths of the depths of, of conspiracy theory and stuff if i'm making any sense i yeah you are making a lot of sense but it's an extremely yeah. complex question because yeah but it's that's why it's not a question it's like a <laughs> it's just because an observation <laughs> i i am not sure even if my conception of noise has time in uh, in mind as we understand time <laughs> if this stochasticity is purely yeah at the interface between us as agents that we process produce um use our cognitive abilities to decipher the world and then a kind of external realist picture of the world i don't know if there is such a thing as a built-in stochasticity in the world i am not sure about this am i am i i mean is it uh, maybe i'm being too crude but like if you will imply that there is already stochasticity in the in nature or in this biological process wouldn't be that falling into the myth of the given in the Silarsian says i having a foundationalist kind of approach and on the other hand i'm thinking like it's like if um, uh, correct me if i'm wrong but it's almost like uh like the other you will sonia you're almost implying the other extreme in the sense of almost bruno latour questioning the whole scientific context apparatus that is kind of a uh interfering with well, what understanding of what's going on it's um, is it uh yeah probably i'm i'm uh, no 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 i mean you are i think in in your case uh putting into question my 
potential hypothesis of randomness built in nature. Yeah, I could fall in certain forms of the myth of the given, but the violation of Bell's inequalities could <laughs> lead us to the conclusion that there is randomness at the fundamental level of quantum reality. If that's the case, I could argue for randomness built in nature. But yeah, talking about episteme, it could be a case of the myth of the given arguing in favor of, yeah, there is randomness out there and I can access, no. But if it is mediated by the quantum measurement and certain interpretation uh, of quantum indeterminacy goes via, yeah, this probabilistic interpretation of the variations of the spin, there is something fundamental that is random, but I don't know if we want to talk about this without wit. But I think, in general, like there is also the assumption of trying to find, or uh, there, yeah, there is the unavoidable bias of some kind of patternicity, like some kind of um, predictability, expectability, like with the entire pursuit of physics today it's just like there is yeah the the, the, the there's like many underlying assumptions but one of them is the fact that there will be like a kind of magic bullet key that will make our experiential access unifiable and that's also but I don't dare to say anything about with regard to your previous your question, Martin, and, and, and with regard to whether you do find, like whether things are accessible in a particular way or not. It's just like, uh, maybe what defines everything we do to, to, to the most basic level is the fact that we can. But right now I'm kind of floating between like three different positions on this argument and I, not right now like in general over the last couple of months so I don't feel comfortable like saying ah, yeah, but yeah, but I do feel comfortable making that sound <laughs> no, but, you, but, you, <laughs> but Sonia Sonia mentioned aim oriented empiricism in the pod I don't yeah. know if you are I think I think this is I, I would really encourage you to try to yeah uh, like at least give us these three positions that you are thinking about because I I think it's fascinating in all our interest in noise yeah. and uh, you know we are kind of looking at it from different levels but like it's in between at the biological level in this molecular level okay the problematics of, uh, of science talking about it, the crisis perhaps on scientific discourse in order to basically be able to talk about it. And I think the whole uh, discussion of stochastic is, is very important. But I, th I think, you know, it's interesting because this is almost like the kernel of foundation, which a kind of counter argument to the conspiracy theories uh, trend which we are seeing you know if we don't have that 
then what do we have in order to kind of counter this whole, you know, so it's like, I see it almost like, oh, if we don't have a scientific uh, good grasp of what's going on at this level, at this ultra nano level, then it's definitely gonna be very difficult to counter this whole conspiracy theories, even though we will have to do that. that. Yeah, but that's exactly what the problem is. And I think that's what we're hopefully realizing and when I say we I don't really know who we mean but what feels like some kind of cohesion around my sphere of, of communication contact with other people is that that's the problem like as long and that's why I was I, I thought more into empiricism is an interesting thing to talk about because it's so the gravitating around three different positions with this question comes down to like okay uh, basically I honestly feel different on a day-to-day hour-to-hour minute-to-minute level with regard to these, to these positions it's, it's so that's why it's very difficult to come to, to, to a, a final assessment but that's actually the thing like there is no uh, statement you can make and this is like beyond the, the Bruno Latour kind of philosophy of science every single gesture is uh, a very determinate value judgment and because we think in those terms and we it doesn't seem like besides for example memes which reveal a super interesting desire for a specific type of communication like either you know of course words don't suffice one-liners don't suffice, you've got to have, the, I'm thinking very specifically of the memes that are most prominent, at least in my sphere of communication, with uh, just, you know, texts and images or texts and, and, and moving images. You obviously are aware, and this is also, like, it's like classic, like a classical observation, but you're aware of the lack in uh, in every type of can have, yet there is this like obsessive and really dreading and really energizing and, and uh, manic type of situation going on in every, like every statement you make is like. You, you take such a huge risk and at the same time it's such a banality like it doesn't and that constant going between like you know the, the most horrific facts can be communicated with the same words as like the, the most everyday of statements that's a really weird position godlike perspective from which you, to handle and that's what we don't realize and that's what i think is like the, the, the challenge with the situation of like ever more centralized forms of communication like everyone is on facebook type of thing and if you're not on facebook you're expected to be i i was shocked when close family members of mine asked me like what well, didn't you like don't you know about this thing happening uh, in the family like it was on facebook plus people like not distant cousins that would ask me so i this is maybe like very roundabout way but 
just go like this. Oh, go like to making making noise instead of, instead of saying any words. It's the conclusion, not in any way like value judgment whatsoever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to go to the kitchen. I need uh, a cup of coffee, but I will be back yeah. in, in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one thing that I wanted to say. Uh, that I mean, somehow, when you were saying before, Sonia, the fact that <clears throat> the 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 moment you zoom in and understand the interaction between two molecules, right? What is the cause or what is the trigger? And then somehow you can also trace, because uh, that also was, that's also something that was interesting me, like, uh, and to go back also to conspiracy theories, for example. But the moment we, 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 we do identify the one relation, the one causal relation, and then we can somehow uh, identify as well what other molecules contributed or what other kind of relationships contributed to something evolving into like a virus out- outbreak in this case. Uh, I'm thinking that what happens and that is like the things that's, the thing that perhaps scares me the most, which is somehow the same thing like regarding the face mask narrative that changed in the course of 10 years, right? Like all of a sudden it's not needed anymore. But that's a political, uh, uh, that's a political decision, right? So, so, so in this case, and also to go back to the noise and pollution thread and how it relates to the virus, uh, what happens is just like that you're isolating the one narrative that is just like uh, useful for filling the one blank, you know, like that you want to, you know, like and construct that sort of reality that you want to see. And all of a sudden it becomes like just this filter, you know, like, uh, and people as well finding the correlation between like 5G uh, and the virus. And this, you know, like my 5G network doesn't work at home. And I was like, can you please stop doing this, guys? <laughs> uh, but, but I think, you know, like that uh, <clears throat> somehow beyond uh, the, 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 the scientific analysis and the scientific groundedness mm-hmm. as well of whatever uh, evaluation and assessment uh, that you might have regarding a phenomenon, there's also how this phenomenon gets politically, contextually, and culturally altered, dissected, uh, and different strings just like isolated and presented as the absolute truth. Uh, You know, like, and somehow it also connects to whatever we were saying regarding, you know, like people having this need of finding like this sort of religious uh, allegiance to one narrative that is convincing enough to sort yeah, of yeah. solve solve like a sort of uh, a, a, a identity or belonging uh, need uh, they might have yeah because it's, it's the fear of obviously you know that 
so much of I I can't say this without sounding like a total asshole so please ah. please but it's just like ah. the ultimate deception of everything like and the ultimate realization that you know we're lying to ourselves all the time you're lying to your neighbor see around you and everything it's just a big fat lie but you know there is there's this really silly example uh, from uh, like uh, the emerging field of experimental philosophy which is kind of like combining classic philosophical like age old philosophical things that apparently philosophy still isn't able to resolve with uh, uh, cognitive science psychology uh, neurological uh, interpretation and there is a kind of it's like Joshua Nob or somebody working along similar lines there is an experiment of asking people like whether they think the true self or let me rephrase it there's like this situation is presented like there is a priest who is preaching for anti-homosexuality uh, and in secret he's like a closeted homosexual himself uh, and then there is a priest who is that it's homosexual and he's like, now I'm looking how, how the story ah. went he's like uh, he doesn't believe ah oh, damn like whether you conceive of this person completely losing my train of thought the gay priest who is like being pro or for uh, homosexuality and whether you conceive this person as being their true selves and like which of the two scenarios and it, that's ultimately it like not that particular case but the the everything we're experiencing with with contextualized information in general like you just cannot make an assessment of it outside of the realm of your yeah um, particular type of value position and that yeah i find it super uncomfortable to be assessing because of that and Ah, <laughs> but no, no, no. But uh, you need more mate. Uh, I need mate. No, but I, I just want to, because uh, I think I, 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 I think I need a clarification. So the the moment you feel uncomfortable in having to judge, for example, uh, the priest on his uh, outer public narrative or the conflictuality of the two, or the merging of the two? I was thinking a few thoughts ahead and I, I completely skipped explaining the the half of the experiment, like people who are more expectively like conservative are saying that no, you know, the true self is not his gay self, it's actually the Christianity that he's uh, uh, promoting and that's why he's like, Mm. acting in these and those ways and the people who are expectively uh left-leaning and more radical are like no uh he's hiding his true self like so then there is in the end it's not a nurture or nature question and it's not a like a blank slate or not blank slate situation it's just like people will tend to the explanation that fits their values best yeah and that's something that i think is not I mean, it, it it's the history of a lot of 
philosophy, depending on what philosophy you're looking at, but like it's the history of the last hundred plus years in realizing like, oh, this, yeah, that's that type of self-reflexivity, that type of, I'm realizing now that I'm making a lot of hand gestures that this is, this is only going to be sound later, that you're going to be missed in half of the conversation. <laughs> I'm joking, but um, that, uh, ah, just saying that one thing completely made me lose what I was saying earlier. No, I I had a one-liner ready that was that was gone. Was it a meme? <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> <clears throat> no, okay, but now now I get it. Thank you for clarifying it. But what was your question? Then I then I will. No, no, no. I just wanted to understand. You know, like uh, what what was uh what was exactly that was making you feel uncomfortable? And now that that you clarified, oh, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, yeah. That there are two ways but I think but I think you know like that also like attributing value or uh, truth to oneself or the other somehow <clears throat> is also the the outcome of a of a process of attribution of value that comes you know like I don't know for example from uh, like uh, I would say like if we if we identify the more conservative people with the capitalistic logic, for example, right? Like the 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 the, the self-promotion, the self-containment, uh, you know, like is somehow considered uh, way more valuable than just you know, like the fact that you're sacrificing, you know, like your inner self uh, for this like higher narrative for a higher uh, outcome uh, somehow more important, uh, you know, like that. That's also uh, like the outcome of a process that come comes from like a specific context, or at least like a set of uh, other values that are external uh, to the self. In this case. <clears throat> if does does it make sense? I mean, this is just my immediate reaction, huh? Uh, I was waiting for the uh, other. Uh, I, I, thought, I, w- I thought it was addressed to you. To me? No, no, to all of you. I mean, I don't know if it if it makes sense, but I just said. <laughs> fine. It can also not make sense. No, no, it did. Ma- it did make sense, but I, I, yeah, I have the feeling I'm rambling a lot. So then, if I get in the, again, then another like hmm, this type of relativistic observation, then I would end up ping ponging so much that I will end up doing this again. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> no problems. As well, I am a. A bit slow today. I today tonight I experienced the first night of proper insomnia that a lot of people they are talking about weird sleeping habits during quarantine. I slept like a baby the whole the, the eight weeks, but tonight I I couldn't sleep. I was like, okay, so fuck it. And I think <laughs> I I fall asleep at seven or something like that. Oh wow. Yeah. And, and and was like 
super because it's a very sunny day today in Bristol. So it was with a lot of light. I was like, fuck. Have you got solar panels? <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, no. Solar panels. No. I, ha I have tonic energy that apparently is a very green supplier of electricity and heating and they are very expensive and they are sucking my blood yeah. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, good. shall we stop here because it's it's feeling like the yeah we have a bit yeah but let's try let's try um yeah with what you i mean i, I guess for us it was very important you know like all this uh you know rumbling and difficulty to make sense of the situation for i think for us it was very important that is a form of documenting the thought process that we're going yeah. through and i think this is uh you know it's, it's, it's not yeah how to make sense in totally incoherent times you know so it's, uh, you know so i think it's important but um i would like to try to um uh make an attempt to uh, to follow martina's comment so you're trying to um understand the relationship between the values that different community or like a, another groups of like the relationship between the a community for example and the personal self and the values that they might uh, share in relationship to each other's self perception or yeah just just to try to wrap up this uh, mm. this comment that you you were bringing in relationship to sonia no no i was just trying to like uh react and trying to understand while thinking out loud uh these two you know like opposite uh takes on like from the specific example that sonia gave so is the self uh of this gay priest for example <clears throat> the the is the true self the outer narrative of the preaching also against homosexuality for example or is the true self uh the 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 inner drives and desires of these uh people right and i'm just like uh i was like my comment was just like trying uh to uh also sort of uh explain how i understood it and if it did make uh sense uh somehow the fact that this uh perception is indeed uh uh um influenced by the set of values that for example a, a conservative group of people might have in order to decode the behavior and defend one position so the fact that the priest is preaching against homosexuality and also going against his nature quote unquote uh <clears throat> is actually uh 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 better because their way of thinking is 
constrained within, you know, like a certain set of values, which might be, you know, like this self-containment, the, 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 the sacrifice of, or, or just like putting aside, you know, like this wild desires or whatever, uh, <clears throat> in order like, to fit into it's one like a matryoshka exactly situation. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. so you know like the so maybe maybe I didn't explain myself uh, clearly regarding that, but somehow you know like and and Sonia commented on this also. You know like about about what we were talking about like of isolating certain narratives in order to promote. Uh, what we want, like the values, uh, you know, like that we want to stand behind. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I think that the truth might, might be somewhere in the middle, right? I, I don't think, <laughs> as, uh, you know, no, I mean, I don't believe, no, 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 but I, I mean, I did have, uh, Uh, like personally as well, a lot of issues uh, about the collision of exactly the narrative I would want to uh, convey of myself and whatever was happening in between, you know, like, and I feel that this is, uh, uh, I mean, not to, to talk about my personal issues, but, you know, like, I totally uh, do relate to this in the sense that somehow the outer narratives are usually exactly the ones that we use in order to fit into certain categories, right? Well, well all the rest, the mess uh, that we need to do, like the dirtiness uh, of all the rest that we need to figure out and work with is exactly what, you know, like pushes, uh, pushes us, us out uh, Maybe. <laughs> Am I the gay priest? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, in, uh, we are all the gay priest. It's yeah. interesting to... But, yeah, that, that the concept... I mean, when... So again, I have, I have a feeling that one of the things that the isolation is giving me is such strange, really, probably not healthy hyper focus on certain things so then when you're talking then i'm listening to specific things and i think it's just unavoidable to speak from a position within which you cannot be making any type of assessment that retains a particular type of identity within it like you, yeah we you know like It's, it's cheap, like words are cheap. Um, that's what makes me uncomfortable about, you know, whatever you can say, the reaction to, to the current condition is it's just, ah, yeah. It's a type of, you're kind of like, you're the, the person on stage and that Came that like pulls you to the side of the stage at the same time. But uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot more than, I, than I'm able to verbalize. So ah. 
for I think for I think we're all we're all like uh, doing this. But Martin, did you have did you have any take on this? Like also uh, uh, regarding uh, all the things that you've written and elaborating and elaborated regarding the notion of the self and uh... yeah I guess I'm interested because um, yeah I mean I'm just trying to think of the relationship between relativism and the conspiracy theories it's like you know how you know is there You know what was the connection you know once you have like not you 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 either give up or you are totally skeptic towards a normative concept of truth uh, then once again what are your grounds to counter uh, you know what are you what can be your tools in order to counter these uh, conspiracy theories, you know, what, what, you know, what, and, uh, and on the one hand, we have to take, you know, I mean, I, I understand the need to take with, uh, with a lot of consideration uh, these normative understandings of truth or scientific researches, you know, but uh, I think, I don't know, what I, what I, Speaking again about this fragmentation, what I experienced a lot, especially living in New York, but it's also very clear in the Netherlands, and I observe it at a distance in Argentina, Uruguay. Instead of trying to find a narrative, trying to go back to the mythology, trying to get to some kind of selfhood or so, like, it's almost blatantly obvious that especially that I mean that's what I see many of us realizing during the current condition that you're not any kind of self or any kind of personality or any kind of one thing without the constant feedback that you have with other ones yeah. so instead of being fragmentary and being like well you know actually the way to go is this one and making this type of like value assessment I almost have a feeling and that's why I get stuck in my thinking that there that I like particular types of words that maybe are needed to speak of like and not in this we they us uh, he she whatever word like beyond the, the the types of grips that we have on these concepts right now there must be a way of understanding things that is more at ease with collectivity than this right now because right now there's this very strange uh, cacophony of in a bad way so maybe that's why I use the word cacophony and not like noise because noise should be positive cacophony is negative um, of uh, the claim towards something and the necessity for a reassessment of how things were, but then if things were different for everyone, then who is assessing what, and how are we actually getting to a collective voice through this very confused perspective, um, which doesn't doesn't know us 
sense of self only has the idea of a sense of self so i think yeah probably getting to it sounds really stupid but no a I, I, different I, conception of the of the of the self like really as a true conception of like kind of togetherness that is very obvious because without it you wouldn't have this self type of understanding of yourself it's something that i i yeah, have since we like and we would be better off understanding but then again that's like a gigantic value judgment i have no like I just have the luxury of being able to to say it but not any kind of conception of what it implies besides an intuition. For, for me this is really helpful. So yeah, I really wanted to thank all of you because now it's like I'm you know for me this uh, talking about what is collapsing, you know, I mean for me what is clear is that the you know the liberal conception of the individual as a sovereign subject is certainly, you know, um, yeah, it's collapsing. It's not, uh, you know, you, are, you put the different examples in which one, you know, even though the whole, yeah, going, getting back to a form of mythology that is uh, being um, expressed uh, in the last, you know, centuries, you know, one or two centuries, you know, it's, it's just so in itself to not be able to hold these changes, the current changes that are happening, but at the same time, there is not a language that is able to uh, address these different forms of complexity. And I think this fragmentation, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that um, for me is very important and is the kind of, um, the way in which this autonomy, the understanding of the liberal subject as autonomy, as able to cut, you know, itself from the object, and you know, like to be a total subject and cut itself from the object is uh, a total fallacy. That you know, in at the level of practice, you know, in our own self-reproduction, you know, we are part of this exchange uh, process, which is inevitably. Uh, dissociative, you know, so we are in this sociality that is totally constantly generating this fragmentation and at the level of consciousness is generating this fragmentation by us believing that we can be autonomous, you know, and and now I think, well, for many years now, you know, but like things are starting to really cracking up and I think you put it very clearly in the sense of like, no, this is not you know, we are not able to hold itself, you know, to, 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 to keep that myth of the individual as this coherent uh, subject is, is, is so in itself clearly impossible to hold. Uh, and this, con yeah, that's for me, this social dissonance, the contrast that you need, you know, in order to get a job, in order to function in order to you know as we were saying you try to keep the shit and the dirt and the noise outside of you know of your life in order to have this appearance that you're able to solve yourself and then constantly you're overflowed that dirt that shit that that difficulties of having to make sense of ourselves is constantly keeping in and it's, it's just like it's like you know getting you know like in a bath of shit <laughs> 
keep your you know your face you know like oh you know it's like yeah with a smile yeah. you, know, you know but you just know that it's just rotten to the core you know? yeah the worst yeah. of possible universes i mean come on that just reminded me very quickly of there was a some seminars or lectures on our thought like when i was doing my arts bachelor and I, I just woke up this morning with this repeating sentence in my head which i realized came from that which was like a description of Artol's work as like uh, a, a warm cup of puke on a very cold morning or something along those lines but that's what i woke up with in my head and that's i think kind of exactly what you're saying <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, well, the coherent self is a warm cup of puke in a very cold morning. <laughs> yeah. We can use this as a title for the episode. <laughs> please do, please do. Yeah. <laughs> was it a warm cup of, of puke on a very cold morning? It was, it was written... I'm not paraphrasing very accurately, but this is 10 years ago or more, but something like that. Yeah, that's, that's how it feels a bit. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a very good description. Of the... <laughs> we need new types of oppression. That's my only slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah. Oh. But don't you see, don't you think that they're already there, but we just don't, are able to assess them? Or to oh, of course. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, you just gotta, it's kind of like, a, what's that game called that you turn the two, you need to find the two cards that we're repeating, like you turn them around, like, yeah, oh, memory. shit, I remember where they, yeah, memory, yeah. Yeah, memory. It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. Eventually they will uh, all flip and we will need to flip uh, back upside down and then it will be like, yeah. oh shit, which one is actually random and it's like, oh. <laughs> but I, I think I think this this totally makes sense because when uh, when you were talking, you know, like about how, you know, like can we find uh, a new ease in the collectivity and then the comments uh, by Martin regarding like we don't we do not have a language uh, to describe uh, this dissociation or you know like this constant clashing as, as well like uh, I think the memory <laughs> game does make sense because it's it's here it's been hovering over us it's been haunting us uh, already uh, but we don't know how to define this right and and i think like uh, uh, as it always happens you know like when when it's going to be repeating itself and manifesting itself more obsessively and more uh, frequently then we're gonna we're gonna uh, feel the need of giving it a name but it's gonna be too late <laughs> you don't remember which one you have to play. yeah right <laughs> Gonna Shit, be too I was late. sure it was that one. I was sure it was that one. <laughs> I mean, so, sorry to be pessimistic, but 
you know, no, like, but I, that's, come on, uh, if you are pessimistic, you're at the edge, you're at the limit, you can only know better, so that's yeah. <laughs> the most pessimism is optimism. No, but, uh, but, you know, like, when, uh, I don't know, just as a, as a perhaps uh, final comment, and if you guys want to respond, uh, please do, but right at the beginning of this uh, pandemic outbreak and now it started spreading like you know like all over Europe and people were commenting and being like yes that's happening you know like capitalism will collapse right? ah, so, yeah. <laughs> so somehow somehow this there was you know like and maybe the, 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 the only parallel I can make with noise is being like okay the virus was all of a sudden the noise within the system right but how uh, you know, like, uh, I see also uh, reactions of uh, the different states and so on and so forth. Like, I see that uh, they're trying to actually reinforce the systems as they were, uh, you know, like, and sort of reconfirming uh, certain narratives while new types of oppression are, are going to emerge from the little adjustments of the systems along the, the, the main line of narratives that they've been uh, proclaiming and defending uh, so far. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, something that we can see, yeah, how they are reshaping new forms of yeah, working, new forms of being a police. You don't need to be a policeman anymore to be a police. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like in the past, maybe it's not so new. I mean, uh, the new vigilante. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of philosophers and journalists were extremely naive at the very beginning of the pandemic, giving his... Generally, all farts, all guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a thing. It's a, it's it, yeah. It says a lot, though, no? Yeah, yeah. That the generational difference. Oh my God! You are still both smoking. Yeah. You are. You are not afraid of that. I quit eh, after 19 years of heavy. Oh, wow. yeah. oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, but at the beginning of January, cold okay. turkey. I thought oh. at the beginning, I thought that this is going to be my uh -huh. I mean, I felt that feeling was like a, fa a proper phantom limb feeling. Like, like, oh, fuck, I need to do that now. More, yeah. some, sometimes, yes, I really need to. But it's like, I normalize the situation. I mean, okay. I really miss it because I really like it. Yeah. Uh, just because my neurologists, they would kill me and I know that it's really bad for the progression of MS. Yeah. Otherwise, I yeah. would continue smoking. Yeah. I, re I really like it. Well, I, I did want to uh, quit also in the light of what is happening. But, uh, but you know, like it's such a complex action. Uh, like it, it involves so many reactions, like both psychologically. Well, psychologically is very complex, but also bodily. I I think that the bodily part for me, like, is less um, 
preponderance than the psychological parts. And in this kind of situation as well, I'm not able of yeah, breaking yeah, yeah. it apart. So I've been discussing it also because with Sonia we had like the smoking uh, discussion and then I talked also with other friends and then you know like at the moment I'm not ready to give up like this like little bit of uh, <laughs> uh, routinary action. You what know, I, I can play. My two pennies are that serotonin will find its way. Okay. If, if not via tobacco, via other things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's really complex and it's really nice yeah. and it's a very social kind of shit. It's like, it's very fucked up. Yeah. For me, I personally haven't been smoking in a very long time. And actually after having been sick i felt like oh wow my lungs don't feel the same they did before but i mean i've been smoking on and off like casually before uh, the sickness time but i don't know afterwards i just didn't feel the, so much like that close association between oh smoking is unhealthy and i'm gonna have some kind of consequence between this action and whatever years down the line, I actually just felt more and more like, ah, uh, whatever. And I'm not really smoking so much uh, tobacco only when friends are around. I'm actually smoking weed. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this. Potential, potential futures are ahead of me. But <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm basically like, yeah, since lockdown, I stopped caring about uh, self-medicating with weed so it, I've been smoking the whole time so I'm not really smoking tobacco which is a different smoking than smoking weed yeah it's yeah. very different yeah 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 but uh, yeah I don't know I mean so many of the things we do are unhealthy it's difficult to put it oh yeah terms. absolutely so like, that's the thing that you should stop when you're doing I don't know I really I mean, like survivalism it's, I'm yeah, absolutely. Things, yeah. No, this was, in, in my case, had nothing to do with, with the coronavirus. And as well, I really wanted to get rid of the compulsion, you know, having a compulsion every day for a lot of time. I think uh, for the time since I started with 15 or 16, I never had this thing of you are very sick, you have a cold or something like that. So you don't smoke for 24 hours or something like that. No, I think I smoke every single day in two decades. So it was super weird. I didn't want to continue. Yeah. And you have uh, you have more energy, yeah? If you are no, used... for sure, for sure. And I and I have to say, like, if I had been a smoker during the time that I was sick, I would have freaked out way more because I it, it was at least for me the way, it, yeah. The way it hit me, I didn't have a very messed up cough at all. I wasn't coughing or barely, but I couldn't hold my breath for even a second. I would just go like this, like, <gasps> and I would have to breathe again. Like Fuck. there was no, and normally I'm like, I'm diving 12 meters, holding my breath for two minutes, no problem. And I couldn't, it was a very, it was really, so if I had been smoking, I would have been like, oh, God, 
But and I have a funny like this is super anecdotal bullshit. But the other day we were making a fire with my neighbor, <laughs> and he had a he had like these these he finds tools for everything. So he had like this tool that you could blow like like a very thin long pipe that you could blow into the fire, like very you know like yeah exactly where you want to blow you direct your your breath and he was like yeah look it works so well it's great lighting up like and blowing and the whole fire was lighting up and he gave me one and i was like and i was like like my breath is nothing fuck like corona really did its job my lungs are shit i can't and i was realizing all of this like super quickly like what am i going to tell my family i think i'm going to die soon but i can't bullshit because i literally couldn't do like a tenth of what he was doing. He was like, <gasps> and the fire was exploding. I was like, this, <gasps> and the fire was gone. And then I realized, ah. like, I was completely drunk, of course, during the fire making time. I realized, like, my pipe hole was like 10 times as huge. As huge. <laughs> 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 so I was, of course, like, <gasps> and it was gone. And he was just like this master. Like, <laughs> burning this fire and that's yeah what made me realize so that <laughs> it was like a very metaphoric moment for a lot of other situations that you're just like yeah that's that's kind of what it's like actually most of the time you just choose to make a some kind of assessment out of it but yeah lungs are important for sure yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, Quite, yeah. <laughs> You know so that many, so many great titles for the podcast. Lungs are important. <laughs> <laughs> you know that there is this. Um, it's not a. Uh, it's not a myth. Well, it's a hypothesis, no? So the the official version is that the less committed suicide, he jumped off a window, right? But you know that when he was young, he lost uh, 80% of one of his lungs. Uh, he was a heavy smoker his whole life. So some people, uh, they argue nowadays that he didn't commit suicide, but he was quite sick. He couldn't breathe from the lung that he had functioning. So he opened the window, tried to breathe and fall uh, yeah. to the street, which is quite interesting if you think that he was trying to breathe and instead of committing suicide, the will of committing suicide, was actually uh, the act of trying to breathe. But what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I wrote that. I wrote that in the pad. Yeah. The difference is... Uh, the reading of this situation from Corona times or before Corona times. Yeah. Yeah.
Kiss in a bandage.